Well, welcome to The Exchange Online. My name is Hal Mayer. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here at Grace Family Church. Let me just say this. This is our last week online. We just got uh, permission to head back to the campus on July 14th. July 14th. So we are meeting this week online. This is our last week online. And then we are going to take off like we do normally during the summer. We're going to take off three weeks. And then we're going to start back on July 14th with our new series, Baggage. If you're wondering what that series is about, it's, it's about the religious baggage that we bring with us, the traditions, the rules, the guilt, the shame, and how do we understand what is really what it means to be a Christian and how much is just man-made. Because here's the problem, the man-made stuff is what holds us down. It's the man-made stuff that keeps us from enjoying our relationship with Christ. So we're going to be talking about how do we throw that off and what does it truly look like to follow after Christ as a relationship and not a religion. But this week, we're going back to the book of Acts. I know we spent a long time in it, but this is going to be our last week in the book of Acts because it really, I still feel like it, it goes along with what we're doing right now, with what's going on. Because right now, we're all in a situation that really none of us wanted to be in. Like none of us were sitting there going, man, I really hope that a virus would come through and I would spend the next three months inside. I mean, I really hope for me, that a virus would come through and we wouldn't be able to meet in person for the exchange. On July 14th, it's going to be four months. Four months, a quarter of a year, all of a sudden it takes off. And then on top of that, you add what's happened to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and the racial conversation, and and I say that conversation uh, lightly, that's happening right now in America. And the stuff that's going back and forth and the things that are being said and the fact that you're trying to figure out what do I say, what don't I say, uh, who should I back, what's the way forward, how do we do this? Well, the church was in a very confusing time also in the book of Acts. They are trying to figure out how to do what God called them to do in the midst of incredible persecution. See, they knew what God called them to do because they had what's called the Great Commission. That's in Matthew 28. And this is still for us. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, this is your job. Go into the world. Teach people about me. But what happened when Jesus went up to heaven? What did he say? He said, wait for what? He said, wait for the Holy Spirit because it is not possible for you to do this on your own. And we see him say that in Acts 1.8. It says this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what do we see? We saw them get the Holy Spirit, but what they didn't do was this. They didn't go to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. They stayed in Jerusalem because they thought Jesus was going to come back quick. They're like, we, we don't want to leave where we're at because he's coming back. I mean, what's the point? I mean, some of us probably have thought that right now. I mean, you see what's going on. You hear about the murder hornets. You hear about some random cave that's just been discovered that has all these organisms in it that we don't know about. And you're like, hey, close that up. Now is not the time. Right? All these things are happening and you're going, is this the end? And what happens when we feel that way? Or what happens when we feel just hopeless? We just sit in one place. Well, they were doing more than that. I mean, they were 
spreading the gospel, but just in Jerusalem. And the church grew, and the church grew. You had seven, 8,000 people in it. And as the church grew, the persecution grew. I mean, first it was, you know, just bringing them before a council. It was throwing them in jail. It was beating them. And then what just happened in the passage before is they brought one of the young leaders ahead of the council and accused him of talking about Jesus, which he absolutely did. And then they stoned him to death. They stoned him to death. So it's taken a turn. At first, it was a lot of rhetoric. At first, it was a lot of arguing. At first, it was throwing them in prison. But now, murder is on the table. But now, they realize that this is going to happen. And here's what they say. After Stephen's death, here's what it did. It almost gave, and actually it gave the the right passage for people who hated Christians to persecute them more. So the persecution after Stephen's death didn't subside, it actually increased. What's crazy is we see Stephen as he died actually mimic the words of Jesus and say, God forgive them, they don't know what they do. But even as he says that, people are enraged that he could even have that ability. So we look in Acts 8, which is where we're going to be today. We're going to start off in verse 1. It says this. It says, Saul was one of the witnesses. That is Saul who becomes Paul later on, uh, who writes a good part of the New Testament. But he is there as Saul right now and says, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Actually, he was leading the force. It says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Not some of them, all of the believers. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. Not to stop the church, not to silence the church, to destroy, destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women and throwing them into prison. And we also find out later, killing many of them. Killing many of them. So it just hit a new level. All of a sudden, death is on the table. All of a sudden, they're killing people. And what do you see in that verse? So just one thing I want to point out really quickly. It says, they mourned deeply for Stephen. Because I want you to understand this. Many times in the Christian world, we feel like we're not supposed to have that emotion. We're not supposed to mourn. Like this idea that something happens and we're just supposed to go, well, it's God's will. No. You can both have grief and hope. Those are not things that are mutually exclusive. You can both grieve over someone but also have hope in Christ and who he is. And understand, it's so like we can't control our emotions, but we can control what we do with our emotions. We can't control what overcomes us. And that's why we should never allow anyone to put us down for what we feel. But we can choose what to do with our emotions. I mean, even when you look at Jesus, it says when Lazarus dies, it says Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He had a wave of emotions. You see, though, we can't be shaped. We can be shaped by the events that happen to us, but we cannot be defined by them. Look, they can shape us. Events cause us to reach out. Events cause us to gain even a righteous anger, as which we talked about before. But we can't allow an event to define who we are and live our lives that way. See, at this point, the church has lost everything. They are running for their lives. Saul is trying to literally destroy the church. Yet what do we see them doing? They're literally going on and sharing the good news. Here's what's interesting. Remember they're supposed to go to Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth? Well, because of the persecution, that's exactly what happened. They started going into Judea and Samaria and sharing the gospel. They continued to do that. 
And this was the point where the church had to realize something. They realized that the church was not all about the apostles. The church was not all about the church leaders. The church was about all of them. See, the church is not just is not about the pastors. The church is not about all the leaders. The church is about all of the people in the church. And all of us in the church have a responsibility on the front line of ministry. See, as they were scattered, they became the pastors. As they were scattered, they became the ones that had a choice whether or not to share the gospel or stay silent. And what did the believers do? As they left, they realized what they should be doing and they shared the gospel with everyone. Guys, understand this. Even if you don't like where you are right now, even if you don't like your situation, God has you put there for a reason. God has you put there for a reason. He wants you to do something there. He has people in your life that you can help and you can help change. 1 Peter 2.9 says it this way. It says, but you are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's only possession. As a result, you can show others the good of God. As a result, what should we do? We need to be showing others that. For he called you out of darkness into your wonderful light. See, if God wanted you living in a different city, he would have changed that. If God wanted you living in a different time, he would change that. See, none of us chose this situation right now. I mean, many of you right now are in a situation where things are incredibly tough. You've lost a job. Some of you have lost businesses. Some of you have lost loved ones during this time and haven't been able to even have a funeral. You're, you're sitting in this tough time, and on top of it, you're dealing with the barrage of social media and news and all of this stuff around the social injustice and the racist uh, conversation that's happening right now. And between COVID and the racial injustices that are going on, all the things that are happening around you, it just feels like too much. And our our response most of the time is just to sit quietly. And sometimes we need to do that. But sometimes what happens is we just sit too long. See, God says no matter what your situation is, I call you to do these things. He goes, I want you to walk humbly. I want you to love mercy. And I want you to act justly. Why? Because he still has something left for you to do. And so in every part of our lives, whether we're stuck at home, whether we're actually at work now, going around in our city, coming across people that are protesting on both sides, we're supposed to walk humbly, love mercy, act justly, even on social media. See, I've got to ask you the question because so many times we have this we have these ideas that we absolutely want to get across, but the question is, is what you're saying furthering the conversation? Is what you're saying helping the conversation? Is what you're saying leading to unity? Or is it just something you need to get off your chest? See, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I said we need to pray twice, post once. Now I'm at the point where we need to pray like 40 or 50 times before we post. Just so we can make sure God's behind what we're doing. Because still in this time, Christians are called to bring unity. Christians are called to bring healing. Now let me just say this. You, you are where you're at, but I'm not saying you, if you want to change that, you can't. Like where you're at right now, if you're like, this is horrible, I want to move. And you don't feel like God's saying, no, you have to stay here. Then absolutely, you can change it. But the fact that you're at where you're at right now is on a purpose. 
and you have influence there. And we have influence in two different ways. We have influence on the physical side, the physical realm, and we have influence on the spiritual realm. See, there's, in the physical realm, you have two different sides. You have the way that you live your life and the words that you use. It's our actions and our words together. 1 Peter 2.12 says it this way. It says, be careful to live properly among young, unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of wrongdoing, they will see your honorable behavior. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. It says, hey, no matter what's going on, you should act in a way that nobody can call you out for anything. I heard it explained this way, and this is, I, I love this. Living the Christian life is like really good music, like a really good song. Like there's two components to the song, right? There's the lyrics, and then there's the music side. You got the lyrics and the music. And if you have incredible lyrics, but really awful music, do people listen to that song? No, they don't, except for those people that, you know, are you know, they listen to bands that don't even exist yet. Like the ones that are like, oh, yes, I like this music. They may listen to it. But if the music is good and the lyrics are bad, there's a lot of people who listen to those songs. In fact, that's half of the radio probably. Why? Because the music has to be good. In the same way, think about this. Let's think of it. The lyrics are your words. The music is your life. If your words are great but your life isn't loving, do people listen to you? Absolutely not. If your life is loving, do people give more importance to your words, even if you don't have a lot to say? Absolutely. See, words and actions go together. It's like the perfect song. It's lyrics and music coming together to form something that can transform your heart. We know this. The right song can put us in the right mood. The way we live our lives compared to what our words allows others to hear the gospel. See, we, we know it's not all about knowing all the answers. So many times people think, well, if I'm going to share the gospel, I need to know all the answers. Absolutely not. Start off by living your life the way God called you to. Loving God, loving others. And then the answers will absolutely come. I mean, you see many times in the New Testament where the only thing someone knew is that Jesus healed them. And that he was the son of God. That's all they knew. That's all they needed to do to share the gospel. See, we have the physical realm, which is our words and actions. Then we have the spiritual realm, which is our prayer and our righteousness. It's our prayer and the way we live our lives. See, I, I just want to make sure we understand this real quick. Our prayer affects others, but I cannot believe for someone else. I know I've seen this in a couple different religions, a couple different ideas. There's this idea that I can believe for my family. I can believe for someone else. I can pray somebody else into heaven. That is not true at all. We cannot believe for someone else. Someone else's righteousness, I can't put my righteousness on you. You can't put your righteousness on me. In fact, the only person that can give us their righteousness is Jesus. But we have the ability through the way we live our lives and our right standing with God and our prayer to provide a refuge for those around us, to provide a safe place for those around us. You see, in the same way, this is why secret sin is so deadly. This is why secret sin is so destructive. Because if I have a secret sin in my life, many times what I'm doing is allowing the devil a foothold in my life. And through allowing the devil in my foothold in my life, it's allowing the devil a foothold in my relationships and in my family. 
mean, how many times have we seen secret sin tear apart organizations and families and friendships? In the same way, living the life that we ought to, to the best ability that we can, not perfection because that's not possible. We actually provide a refuge and a safe place for those around us. And we have the ability through prayer to also do that. Because I want to tell you a story in the Bible that's just, it, it's interesting and it's understanding to what it means to God for you to be a righteous person and what you can do through prayer. It's the story of Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah. You guys know the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Even if you're not with the Bible, you, you know that's like Vegas, but way worse. Like not even close. Sodom and Gomorrah was an awful, awful place. Tons of sacrifice, tons of just people taking advantage of others. You see in, in the book there, you see Lot putting his two young daughters outside and they rape them. Like it's an awful place to live in. So God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, whoa, 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 whoa. God, what if I can find 50 righteous people? What if I can find 50 righteous people? Would you save Sodom and Gomorrah? And God goes, yes, if you can find 50 righteous people. Well, Abraham learns that, you know, this is tougher than he thought. And he goes, but what about 40, God? What about 40? And God says, okay, 40. Well, what about 30, God? God's like, okay, 30. Well, what about 20? God's like, okay, 20. He goes, well, what about 10, God? There are 10 righteous people in this city. Would you save it? God's like, fine, I will save it if there's 10 righteous people. The problem is there's not 10 righteous people in the city. See, there's Abraham's nephew, Lot, and his family. But that's about it. And really, Lot and his family have been corrupted and are living a life that's absolutely not right. So God actually destroys the city, but because of Abraham and his righteousness, God has angels pull Lot and his family out. Now, we learn later that Lot and his family have been totally messed up by the situation that they were living in, the place that they were living in, the fact that Lot put his daughters outside and the guys raped them. Later on, the daughters get Lot drunk and have sex with him just to have boys to carry on the lineage. Like it's a, I mean, you want to talk about family issues, that's there. But here, that's not what I'm getting at. Here's what, I, here's what I want to say. Because Abraham was a righteous person, God saved his family. And all God says was if it took 10 righteous people, he'd save the city. I want you to understand, it doesn't take that many people truly living after God to change an area. It doesn't take that many people who are trying their best to live a righteous life to change an area. Because you start to become a refuge for those around you. You start to care for those around you. And God starts to do miracles. See, we love God, we love others, we pray for them. We live that righteous life and stuff happens. It's like this, it's like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the butterfly effect. It's actually, I mean, there was a movie made out of it with Ashton Kutcher, which you shouldn't watch. <laughs> but there's, there's this movie, you know, there's the idea of a butterfly effect. And it was, it was made in weather simulations. And see, what they found out in weather simulations is that if they just slightly changed just one of the numbers that was going in to like the fifth decimal point. While they thought nothing big would change, actually major catastrophes moved, went different places, all that kind of stuff. You've heard of the butterfly effect, the idea that if a butterfly flaps his wings in one part of the country, another part of the country hits a tornado. And that's, that's a lot. That's more than it is. But what they found, even the smallest, minute change 
in their calculations. The smallest minute thing that happened in a weather pattern could change where a hurricane went, could change what would happen in big ways. Let me just say this. It's the same way with God. Small changes, small actions, no matter how insignificant you feel like you are in the midst of the church, in the midst of God, can change so much. Even small action in the way that you decide to live your life in your actions and in your words. A small change in the fact that you've decided to live your life in a way that is righteous. You're getting rid of that sin on the inside that's holding you down and you're praying for others. Changes so much. See, what the church in Acts was doing was it was sent off. And all of a sudden, this group of thousands of people were sent off as ones. And through that, each person doing what God called them to do, there was a massive explosion of Christianity. So much, so much that Rome literally adopted Christianity as its state religion. Because a group of people decided it was their job to do what God called them to do. Actually, actually if you go on in verse uh, 4, it says this. It says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. And understand this, verse 8. So there was great joy in that city. You want to bring joy to a city. You want to bring healing to a city. You want to bring hope to a city. You bring God. You bring God. But it takes every person in the church understanding they are on the front line. It takes every person in the church understanding it's their job to live the right way and use the words that God has. And it takes all of us praying for a city, praying for a nation, praying for a world that absolutely needs God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that um, you give us the opportunity to bring change no matter how small we feel like we are. God, I pray that you show us ways to do that this week. God, I pray that we would change the way we live in a way so that the world sees us walking humbly, acting justly, and loving mercy. God, I pray that you would change our prayer lives. We would care and love on those around us. God, I know that the only way forward, the only thing that brings hope is the gospel. God, I pray that we would keep that in the forefront of what we're saying. God, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.